Welcome to the Storytellers Lab podcast, where everyday people share real and personal stories of encounters with God. I'm your host, Robin, and I'm here with Katie and Lindy. And today we have a story from one of our cities, and we are thrilled. So we have Erica from Statesboro, Georgia, and we listened to her story, and we were thrilled. Yeah, it was so good. I mean, we there were so many different layers to her story. As we were listening to it, we were thinking, where is she going? Where is she headed this way? <laughs> but what it really came down to was struggling with control, struggling with perfection a little bit, which are two things I think all women have oh, a tendency mm-hmm, to struggle sure. with. So I do think that our listeners are going to get a lot from her story. And we actually were so curious when we listened. We had so yep. many questions. We called her when it was over <laughs> and we did a Zoom call to ask her all of our questions. And they were so good, we actually spliced them into her story. Mm -hmm. So you may notice a little difference in um, the sound throughout her story, but it's just because we had so many questions that we wanted you to hear the answers as well as us. So hang in there. If you notice a little bit of back and forth, it's okay. It's all just part of her story. That's right. You're going to enjoy it. You are. And so we just pray that God speaks to you today, just like he does on every other story. And here's Erica. Robin and Katie, we have some exciting news today from our partner, Never Thirst. Never Thirst has just expanded to serve more communities in a new country, Ethiopia. There are over 32 million people in Ethiopia that lack access to clean water and 76 million lack proper sanitation. Never Thirst is committing for the next three years to serve a region of Ethiopia that experiences regular tribal conflict. They'll be working through the local church to build hand pump wells, which give time and health back to women and children in those communities. Join us and learn more about how you can partner with their three-year plans for this region at neverthirstwater.org Ethiopia. My name is Erica Deaton, and my story begins on February 25th, 1986. Born to Roger and Harriet, and the only sister to my brother Todd, who is a whole nine years older than me. This is where my story of control begins. Being the baby of the family and the only girl definitely put a seed in my heart to have my way as much as possible. My early childhood revolved in an idyllic rural area of Gainesville, Georgia. Only boys to play with, I was still getting my, own, my way any way I wanted. My childhood consisted of playing outside, running dirt roads, riding horses, playing with animals, all the fun things that childhood should be. During my eighth grade year, my parents decided to build their dream home in the small town of Cleveland where my mother's family came from. We moved there, and my life turned upside down. For the first time in my life, I didn't have all my friends from childhood to lean on. I had to make new friends and make my own way. It was a difficult time, but I met some of the most wonderful people I've ever known. During this time, I was also sought salvation through an FCA meeting. This was the time that my life definitely turned. It was a time that I recognized how much I needed Jesus and how much I needed God's grace in my life. This was also a time that I was meeting my husband for the first time. The summer before I started high school, my husband and I met at a small grocery store where he was working as a bag boy. That summer, I poured out more milk than I probably care to say and made my mom go to the grocery store just so I could see this boy. He was everything I thought I wanted, tall, redheaded, and super quiet. As I entered high school, I had great grades, well-behaved, but I also realized that I was having a need, a need to strive to be the best in every way. I needed to control the things in my life. 
During the same time, my boyfriend and I, Jake, were continuing to go strong all through high school. Having only dated one boy, I had no issues other than the need to also probably control him a little. <laughs> During my senior year, I also received a devastating diagnosis. Throughout my early childhood, or throughout my early adolescence, I had struggled with fertility issues and discovered that I had polycystic ovarian syndrome. This was devastating. One of my only goals in life was to be a mother, and to know that this was one day going to be a struggle hit me hard. This was something that was out of my control, and this was something I severely struggled with. At the same time, my boyfriend, Jake, who was two years older than me, graduated high school. During that summer, he struggled with what to do with his life. He struggled with whether he wanted to go to college, to work, or possibly join the military. That June, my parents had given me a 65 Mustang that I loved and adored. I also let Jake drive my Mustang on occasion. One Wednesday, we were out for a drive and gone to the movies when all of a sudden he hit a curb and wrecked my brand new car. This was a catalyst for Jake as he decided that he wanted to join the military. He said then and there that he knew he had to do something with his life and he felt like he was called to serve his country. Remind you, this was just after 9-11 and was seeing an influx of people who wanted to serve their country to be a part of that. As Jake joined and left for the Army, my world was turned upside down. This was something I had no control over. I desperately did not want him to go. I wanted him to stay and be a part of my life. How now, when all my friends were finally starting to date, was I going to be left alone? But Jake went, and he went to serve his country well. Before he left, he asked me to marry him. Being only 16, I was scared and afraid and not sure of what I wanted to do. I didn't know that if I wanted to commit my life to someone who I didn't know what would happen. Mind you, our country was at war, and I had no idea where Jake would be going to serve. But I also knew that I loved him, and I felt like God had placed him in my life for a reason, and I didn't want to lose him. So I said yes, and for the next two years, we dated long distance. Finally, the day after my high school graduation, we wed on May 25th of 2004. This was also a change in my life. I'd never been far from home and had always had the comfort of my family and my friends to fall back on. This was a new time and a new world for me. I knew absolutely nothing about military life, and it scared me. There were acronyms and places. What was the commissary? What was the PX? What was the difference? How would I get anything? Did I have to show my ID every place I went? <sighs> so many things to learn. Thankfully, my husband was patient with me and guided me through this new transition. Also, we were lucky enough to be stationed at Fort Stewart, only a five-and-a-half-hour drive away from our family. This meant I could take every opportunity to go home to see my parents, my sibling, and now my niece and nephew who had also arrived during my senior year of high school. At the same time, I'd also made the decision to start college at Georgia Southern University and to major in early childhood education. Life was going great, but we also had something in the back of our mind. Since the time we had married, we knew that Jake was going to get ready to leave for his first deployment, a deployment to Iraq. This was a very scary time. There were bombs, there were snipers, there were IEDs, there were just craziness going on in the world. And to know that he was leaving definitely put fear and fright into my heart. It was definitely a dark cloud hanging over the early months of our marriage. But that January came, and on a dark, cold January night, I said goodbye to my husband for the first time. I remember driving home and just praying to God 
please God, keep him safe. I have no idea what I would do without him. It was definitely scary and definitely one of the hardest moments of my life. But he went, and he arrived safely that January. Months went by, and I settled into college life, straddling time between being a college student but also being a newlywed. This was definitely a different time of life. It was hard for the other wives to understand that I was a full-time student, and it was hard for my peers and students to realize that I was also a wife. Thankfully, that June, Jake was able to come home for two weeks' leave. During that time, I got pregnant with our first child. This is an exciting time for us both. After having received my polycystic diagnosis, we were unsure if we would ever have a child. This definitely brought hope and happiness to our marriage. Sadly, our two weeks went by very quickly, and Jake returned to Iraq. Weeks went by, and my pregnancy went on. Sadly, at ten and a half weeks, during a regular routine checkup, I discovered that the baby no longer had a heartbeat. This was an extremely hard time in life. I was alone, sitting on a table, having heard the hardest news I've ever heard of my life, with my husband halfway across the world. I wanted nothing more than his embrace and to hear him say it would be okay, but that was not something that would happen. The next couple of weeks went by, and thankfully my parents were able to come and be with me. The doctor determined that I would have to have a DNC, which only exacerbated how hard this had been. Jake was able to call the day of and speak with me before I went in for surgery. All I can remember is crying and just saying how much I wanted him to be there. How could this be happening? What we had always prayed for? After God had given us such a gift to lose it in a moment, how could I not have control of this issue? I wanted so badly to be able to fix this. But I couldn't. It was something that was out of my control. Five months later, Jake returned from his first deployment to Iraq. It was a hard time for us both, but it was nice to have some time to heal together. Sadly, our marriage had been marked, and we would carry this with us for the next decade. My heart would not fully heal for many years. We, However, that March, we found out that we were expecting again. This was also an exciting time, but definitely one that was marked by my previous miscarriage. It was hard to be excited and hopeful when you knew the worst that could happen. I struggled to control my pregnancy in any way that I could, seeking out the best doctors that I could, everything that I knew to be as healthy as possible, in hopes of not suffering another miscarriage. At the same time, Jake decided that he wanted to re-enlist. Originally, he had only planned to spend five years in the military and then get out to pursue his dream of law enforcement. However, with the birth of a child on the horizon, he felt that he needed to stay in to provide more stability for our family. I won't lie, I did love military life. I didn't know how much of it was really for me. It was hard. It was hard having no control in my life, having no say in where we lived or what was happening. But I fully supported him as the head of our household and the decision that he made to re-enlist. With his re-enlistment also came a move. Jake received orders for us to report to Fort Monroe, Virginia that fall. Not long after we arrived, I went into early labor. At 32 weeks, I feared the worst. As I was rushed into an intensive care unit, I had pediatricians coming in to tell me what to fear, to know that I could have a baby on a ventilator, to know that we could be at the hospital for months to come if she decided to arrive early. I prayed. I prayed harder than I felt like I'd ever prayed before. Please, God, let me continue to stay pregnant until my baby reached term. Please. 
Thankfully, we were able to keep our pregnancy until the 36-week mark when our first child, Scarlet Rose Deaton, arrived at a healthy six pounds and three ounces with no issues other than a little jaundice. She was a happy baby, loved to smile and loved to go on walks. Jake and I were overjoyed by this new addition to our family. However, my life was still marred by my miscarriage and the lack of feeling like I was out of control and could not exert my own will in my life. At the same time, my husband was struggling from his first deployment. It had been hard. There had been things that had happened that I will never understand and never ask questions about because I would never want him to have to relive those moments. However, we tried to make the best of this new addition to our family and to love her with all that we could. But I also was beginning to suffer an exercise addiction. I felt like my life was out of control, but one of the ways I felt like I could control things was through exercise and what I ate. If I couldn't have say in where we lived and what was going on in our lives, when my husband was available and when he was not, I could at least have control over working out, sometimes two to three times a day. A lot of women, when you're in your teens, you struggle with your body image, and I have a daughter entering her teens now, so that's a scary moment for me because I know what that feels like with your body image. So I'd always been heavier growing up. I'd done dance, but then, you know, you're like a little bit heavier, a little bit chunky. I always had really round face. Like, you know, there's polite ways of saying it. So my weight was always kind of on my mind. And then I gave birth to our first child and I was just in an emotional state of not knowing where my life was going. I was a young mom. I had my daughter three months shy of my 21st birthday. I was a young mom. Um, my husband and I had only been married about two and a half years at that point. He had just come back from his first deployment to Iraq. And we had just moved to Virginia. And that was the farthest I'd ever lived away from home. And I grew up in a small town. All of my aunts and cousins, everyone lives in the same place. So I was really struggling with who am I? What am I? Like, what am I doing with my life? Like, and I just felt like life was spinning out of control. But I also found that I could control exactly what I ate and what I put in my mouth every day. And I could control how much I worked out every day. So I went through a pattern of there would be days I would work out two to three times a day. I'd get up in the morning, put up my baby in the baby jogger. We lived on a small base in uh, coastal Virginia. And I would run like three and a half mile lap, we'd come home, I'd clean house like a mad person, then the baby would take a nap and I'd go for another run. And then maybe in the evening, my husband would come home and instead of like spending time with him and as a family, I would leave him with the baby and then I'd go take a spin class for an hour. So I was just constantly in this, like I had a goal every day. I mean, I tracked every calorie I ate, how much I worked out, how many I was burning. And I was just burned out. Like even the people around me, like my husband came to me and he was like, people have asked me if you're sick, like you've lost that much weight. I went from giving birth at like 150 pounds to I had gotten down in about six months to 109. So I was, I had no real muscle tone. I was doing all cardio, like just because it felt good. It felt like a release and it felt like I could have control. So I did this pretty consistently for about a year, a year and a half, and I had gotten really thin, and there were some photos that um, my husband and I had taken, and we were at a playground, and I remember looking at the photo, and you could see my entire esophagus, because I was so thin in my neck. Like, it looked like I had a giant Adam's apple, because you could see, like, the ridges in my neck. Um, and just thinking, this is my body. What am I doing to my body? 
Um, and my husband was very like, you know, you're not healthy. What you're doing to your body is not healthy. He was like, we'd struggled to get pregnant. I had kind of talked about in that in my story that I was diagnosed with polycystic. Um, so our daughter in essence was a miracle in a lot of ways. And he said, I would love to have another baby. There's no way your body is going to get pregnant again. I'd already started to like miss periods and things like that. Um, and so at that moment, I just knew I had to get healthier and not be so focused on the work, working out. So I focused then on trying to get pregnant again and soon became pregnant with our second child. At the same time, we also learned that we were moving again. Somehow we had become in a pattern of get pregnant and move. <laughs> this move was to somewhere new and exciting. We were off onto a new adventure in Alaska. Not long after our arrival in Anchorage, my husband found out that the unit that he was being sent to would also be deploying within the next six months. This meant we would have a small window between the birth of our next child and the time when he would be leaving again for a year deployment. That March, we welcomed our second child, a boy, Wyatt. <sighs> he was a different baby. This was a different beast. While we, our first child had been happy and easygoing, Wyatt was much more work. Marred by, John, by colic, he spent the first four weeks of his life basically crying as much as possible. In fact, I took him to the ER and feared that something was wrong with him as I handed my baby to the doctor and said, something is wrong, he will not stop crying. The doctor politely handed me the baby back and said, I'm sorry, your baby has colic. <laughs> I had never experienced this and it was definitely a trying moment as a new mother. However, our focus was soon turned to the fact that Jake was leaving again for a wrap. There was a dark cloud that hung over me. I felt like we were testing fate. To go and survive once is one thing. To send him again was another. I prayed so hard to God. Please, God. Out of my control. I want nothing more than to be able to keep him home. But he's being called out again. Please keep him safe. I had a new baby at home and a toddler. There was no way I would ever be able to make it on my own. Within two months of his deployment, however, news came that there had been deaths in his unit. No names had been released, and par for the course, when there's a death in a unit, the entire base goes down on lockdown while the next of kin can be notified. So as we sat and waited to know who had passed, I prayed, please God, don't let it be Jake. But at the same time, you feel selfish in your prayers because you knew that was someone else's husband, wife, daughter, son, brother. Soon the names were released, <clears throat> and two of the men who had passed also had new babies around the same age as our son, children who would never know their fathers. Not long after that, they held a memorial in the unit chapel. I remember sitting there as I held Wyatt and watching wives hold their new babies as well while their husbands were honored. It was definitely one of the most difficult moments to know that these children would never know their fathers. Thankfully, Jake returned safely in May of that next year. We spent the next year enjoying our last few months in Alaska. Not long after that, we received orders that we were going to be moving to Alabama. And oddly enough, I also found out I was pregnant again. I felt like at this point the joke was that I hated to pack and unpack, so therefore I would just get pregnant to avoid having to do it. <laughs> now we were settling into our new home in Fort Rucker, Alabama. Beautiful weather and close to the beaches. How could we complain? Yet, being pregnant again, it was definitely a difficult time. Not long after our move, 
Our last child, Molly, was born that January of 2012. At the same time, I knew I was still struggling with my past miscarriage. Things I'd been holding on to for the last decade. The fact that I had no control in my life, but constantly fought for the areas that I felt like I could control. My weight, my husband, my children, my attitude, my relationships, my home. Any point that I could have control in, I fought for because I felt like so many things were out of my grasp. My marriage was in crisis. My husband and I were in constant turmoil with each other over the fact that I couldn't let things go. I would also tend to think that things would be the worst. He would come home with the news of a new assignment, something going on at work, anything that I felt like would always be a negative experience. I felt angry. I felt angry at God. I felt angry at the things that I felt like I couldn't control, and why had they not worked out the way that I wanted them to work out? My husband and I knew that we were at a crossroads and something had to change. But finally, we got to a point where we were like, you know what? We owe it to our children. We owe it to each other to be actively involved in a group of believers and to let that nurture our marriage. So we went back to, we were attending chapel at the time, which is like, you know, church on base. Um, So it's kind of like transient people. There's not usually like a solid group. At the same time, we also found out that my husband was accepted for recruiting duty and that we would be moving again. Unsure completely of where we were moving, I was at a loss in how to fight for control again. We knew that he would be going to a battalion out of Jacksonville, but that our actual station could be anywhere from Jacksonville, excuse me, from Tampa, Florida, to Statesboro, Georgia. That's a large area to not know where you could live until you actually are a week out. So a week out from our report date, we went to Jacksonville, Florida, and found out that we would be stationed in Statesboro. This was exciting news for me. I knew Statesboro from my time at Georgia Southern and loved Savannah and was excited to go back to that area. So recruiting began, and it wasn't horrible for me. I made lots of great new friends and was settling into the community in Statesboro. However, this turned out to be an extremely stressful situation for my husband. It was long hours, and many times he was missing family events while he attended to work activities. At this point, I knew I was trying to make a better relationship with God in terms of control. I chose not to focus on the negative of him not being home and instead focus on the things I felt like God was bringing into my life, the people he was exposing to me, and a stronger, deeper desire to serve him. But when we moved back to South Georgia and came to Statesboro, we really actively sought to find a home church in a group, in a small group of other couples and different stages of life that we felt like could pour into us and, you know, give us that support. And two, I think I took, I looked at a lot of the older wives. I'm like, why are you still married to somebody in the military? Like, how do you make it? You know, when you would see couples and their spouse had been in 20, 25 years. And she's like, honestly, it's letting go. Like, you have to know that life is going to change and nothing ever stays the same. And that you have to learn to roll with the punches. And the other thing I learned was, it was funny. Somebody asked me the other day, I was up for a leadership award. And they're like, how are you a leader? And she was like, talk about how you've been a leader since your husband left. And that's true. But you have to know how how to transition back into letting your husband be the head of your household. And, you know, that comes, that's taken us years for me to go. Like he just came back from a deployment now and he was like, Oh, I'll take our oldest hair. I examined a day. And I was, I kind of wanted to go, are you sure? Do you know what to tell them about our insurance? Do you know what's wrong with her? Like if they ask you medical questions, will you be able to answer that? But I had to go, okay, thank you. I appreciate you taking that for me. And while I'm in class, you're going to take her. And not having to like nitpick and say, hey, you don't do it as well as I do because you're never here. 
you have to let go of that. Um, and I think marriage is constantly a work in progress. You know, you're going to have great years. You're going to have hard years. God's going to bring different seasons into your life. But the biggest thing is that you just, every day you stay committed to each other. You know, that that's a vow that you made before God and you honor that for us in our marriage and stuff. It's, it's always open communication. It's always, you know, say what you mean and mean what you say. Around the same time, our youngest child started pre-K. It broke this mom's heart. I'd been a stay-at-home mom for at least the last 10 years, and to see my last baby go was definitely a change. However, my husband came to me and said, hey, I think it's best if you don't stay home all day because I think you'll drive yourself crazy, which is true. In my need to control, I was either going to work out all the time or clean my house all the time, and neither one of those were going to be happy or healthy. Luckily, I had a great friend from our neighborhood who offered up that, their, that the company that she worked for was looking for someone to manage accounts. Thankfully, it was a, with a company with someone that I actually went to church with. I interviewed and accepted the job. This was a mixed bag of emotions. I loved the job that I was doing, but I quickly learned that the reason I loved my job was because it was an outlet for me to control the things around me and a way to, be, to hone my need to be perfect. You see... I love perfection and I love things to go my way. I think it goes hand in hand with control. So during this time in my job, I got to have an exercise outlet for that. In some ways it was healthy and in a lot of ways it wasn't. Two years after that, my husband got orders to go back to Fort Stewart. He spent a short time as a platoon sergeant and then was picked up to be an instructor for the NCO Academy located there. This was a great blessing to our family. This meant that his hours would be more conducive to family life and he would be home more often, meaning a lot of nights he would get to actually sit down for dinner with us, the first in a while. At the same time, though, I was having a turning point in my life. I didn't feel necessarily fulfilled in my job like I thought I would. I had a great outlet for control and perfection, but it wasn't satisfying me. I knew deep in my heart that what I was doing was not glorifying to God and was not the path that God had for me. The scripture that I kept honing in on was Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will straight your path. I also love the NIV version of this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. I knew this verse for as long as I could remember. Having been raised in church, trust in the Lord with all your hearts, one of the first verses that you learn. But I think it's the second half of that verse that we don't focus on enough. Do not lean on your own understanding. You see, I had leaned on my own understanding for far too long. I had leaned on my past experiences, my feelings, my emotions, all the things that I felt like I could control. But I needed to not lean on my own understanding. You see, I needed to acknowledge him. I needed to acknowledge the space that he deserved rightfully in my life and to let him make my path straight. With this in mind, I began to focus on making a, a change in my life. My friend Kirsten and I had been doing Bible studies together for some time, and she was a great encouragement to me to seek God's will in my life. But what did I want to do in my life? How did God want to use me? I knew I had a passion, a passion I'd had for many years, I loved food, and I loved to entertain in our home. So I began to pray on this. God, how can I use this to glorify you? How can I use this to bring people to you? I decided that I wanted to go back to school to seek a degree in culinary arts. 
because I felt like through food we have fellowship with others, and what better way to show God's love than through fellowship with other people? But I also knew at the same time that there were things that I was going to have to let go of in order to pursue this. There were things I was going to have to let go of in my life, this need, this urge, this desire. I half-heartedly already let go of it, but I knew there were still some strongholds in my life, some things I didn't want to let go of, some control that I still wanted to just hang on to as tight as I possibly could. In January of 2019, my friend Kirsten took me to IF Gathering. The year before, she had watched from home and found out that a local church near us was actually going to be hosting that year. She invited me to join along and told me it was a great experience. If you're not familiar with IF Gathering, it's ran by Jenny Allen, and it's a discipleship weekend that's kind of put on, um, and it's a time when you can spend time with other women and hear speakers and learn about discipleship. Well, part of this weekend, they had had a potter on stage, and it was kind of the weirdest thing you think, because this lady's at the pottery wheel, and she's just kind of like making this pot, and you're like, where is this going? But the whole gist behind it was that we had to break ourselves down to let God rebuild us. And in that moment, I felt like God spoke to me, and he said, you have to let me break you down in order to rebuild you. You're never going to do it on your own. So with that in mind, I went forward, seeking a degree in culinary arts and going back to school, and also leaving my old job behind, stepping out on faith that God would use me. At the same time, I went to God, and I said, God, I want you to not only use me, but to test me. These are extremely scary words. I don't even think at the time I fully acknowledged how scary that could be when I asked God to test me. But I knew. I said, I'm never going to learn if you don't test me. If you don't get, give me an opportunity to show myself that I can let go. Give me an opportunity that's going to test my faith. Test my trust in you, Lord. Trust that I don't have to have control because ultimately you are in control. Not long after I prayed this prayer, <clears throat> I had an opportunity come, to come up to be a personal chef for a retreat weekend. Things were taking off. God was opening new opportunities for me. I was excited by all the things that were coming my way. But at the same time, we also got news that my husband was going back to a new unit. That new unit would deploy to Germany for nine months and six weeks. This was the quickest we'd ever had a deployment happen. This was not the best time in our life for this to also take off. I was a new student. I'd also been working part-time at the same time. Our middle child, Wyatt, had been diagnosed with autism a few years before. We had him in OT. He was seeing a therapist at the same time. Our lives were crazy busy. How could I be a parent down? But I went back to what I'd asked God. I asked God to test me, and this was it. God was saying, are you going to trust me? Are you going to lean into me right now? Or are you going to fight me every step of the way to have as much control as you can over the situation? So I acknowledged God, and I said, God... Let this work out how you see this fit to work out for our family. So last November, we sent my husband off on a nine-month deployment to Germany. Two months later, I found out that I'd been nominated for a Gold Student of the Year through my local college. This was an opportunity. I'd asked God how I could glorify him through what I was doing. Here was my chance, a chance to share what God had been doing in my life with other people and how he had inspired me to pursue something that was going to glorify him. Not long after that, Murphy's Law of Deployment hit. Those of you who are not a military spouse may not be familiar with this, but Murphy's Law of Deployment goes like this. If 
your husband leaves, you can guarantee there's going to be at least five catastrophes. Your water heater's going to go out. You're going to need a new roof. The list goes on and on. Well, this one took the cake. A pandemic struck. Our youngest had never known my husband to be deployed. It had been a decade since he'd been deployed. Um, she is eight, so she had a really hard time. I mean, like, full-on cried like a wounded animal all the way home after we dropped him off. Um, but then, as you know, the year went by. We got busy. I'm a culinary student. You know, I also run a small catering company, and I was getting calls for that. So we started off great. My husband and I planned, we're like, March, you're going to come visit me for a week, and we're going to take this awesome European vacation, celebrate your birthday late. Um, so we were planning that. Then we start hearing, you know, what's going on in the world and that, you know, COVID. And so I was getting worried, and I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to travel. What if I get to Germany and I can't get home? So we'd made plans then for him to come back home for the week and then we found out he was supposed to fly home on a Friday that Wednesday, you know, the president announced no one's going anywhere. We're in like a state of lockdown. So our devastation immediately set in for me and our kids because we knew then that we weren't going to get to see dad. Um, and so then we were all home. Like I was used to having all three of my kids were in school. All of a sudden we are all home together all day long. <laughs> and as the only parent, like, you know, there was no break. It was constantly, I need help with this homework or will you go outside and play this with me? Or will you do this art project with me? And so you're trying to kind of delegate your time with three other people, but then also realizing like their emotional needs. Our oldest is a teenager and she missed her friends and she missed her social life. And you know, how could I be supportive of her? And then for us, like we would see in our neighborhood, mom and dad are both home. And then it just kept reminding them, you know, my dad's gone. All these other dads are home from work and enjoying it. Um, and so, you know, we got into a new routine. But I think that that's where military life really came in handy because we were used to life can change like that. Like we were prepared because life does change in an instant. You can have orders, you know, to be somewhere in six months halfway across the world and you have to pack up your whole life. So I think in some ways that helped prepare us for what happened with the pandemic. And I think that too, at that point, I had already asked God, you know, test me, test me and how that you're going to use me and test my trust and my faith in you. And I had already gotten to a point where I was like, all right, God, this is just part of it. Like you went all out, <laughs> but this is just part of it. Um, and so we rolled back up into it. We had the most of our summer and our time together and we made signs for my husband's unit when um, he's a platoon sergeant. So we made a sign for every soldier in his platoon. We got our neighborhood in on it and had assigned everybody a soldier to make a welcome home sign. Um, and so finally he came home in the middle of August. And so my kids are actually doing virtual school now. And we're just learning that, you know, every day is a gift and we choose how we want to spend that day. And how can we honor God? You know, that's our question, you know, that I asked them, how are we going to honor God today with our life? And even from your home, when you're by yourself with your family, you still have the choice to honor God every day. Today, as I sit here, I look at all the ways in which God has taught me to let go, to see that there's joy in letting go of the need to control everything. There's peace in his presence and an understanding of knowing that there's so many things I don't have a handle on, but he does. He knows. He knows what I need and when I need it more than I will ever know. Nothing is promised. No road will be easy, especially if you're working for his glory. 
things are going to happen. Pandemics are going to happen. Husbands are going to deploy. Kids are going to have accidents. Life is just going to happen. I can, <clears throat> I can hold up what I'm doing in my life against his word because I should not hold it up to my own understandings or my own experiences. My emotions will always lead me one way, but his word will always be what my stronghold should be against. And also, to learn to be willing to share my struggle. I'm not alone. I know I'm not the only woman who struggled with control in her life. And to share your experience is to open your mind and your heart to others. Well, as I said, there are so many layers to her story. For me personally, I've struggled with control. I've struggled with perfectionism. <laughs> and and I've loved, you know, there was one question she said was, she was angry at God because she was like, why do things not work out the way I want them to? And, yes. and I mean, that has been a question ding, of ding, mine ding, ding. many yeah. times. And God has had to break me down and teach me who was in control and teach me that his way is better and that he knows what I need more than I know what yeah. I need. He knows what my children need more than I know what they need. He knows what my marriage needs more than I know what we need. And I, I just loved how she tied it so nicely in a bow at the end where she talked about, you know, our emotions will always lead us one way, but his word is our stronghold. Mm -hmm. And that has just rang so true for me. I hope it encourages some of you that, that do struggle with this. I promise, I promise, I promise, get in his word. It will encourage you. It will change your life. Um, his peace will surround you. I mean, even just reading his word, we're told that it's alive and active, mm -hmm. and it is. So I encourage you, you know, if you're out there and you're like me and you struggle with control, read his word. Sit down and read the Psalms and, um, and be encouraged and just let his peace you know, be with you. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know. I, I thank you, Erica, for just bringing it back home to that at the end as well. Well, and part of her journey and part of her maturity was, you know, seeing that she struggles with control. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of times the first step is realizing, okay, what <laughs> is it? Admitting I have I, a problem. I, <laughs> too, I too struggle with control. Shocker. Um, but yes, admitting that you have a problem so that you can seek truth and, and kind of deal with it the long way, uh, along the way. Also her marriage, y'all. What a testimony wow. when she she just said, we built, we have built our marriage on open communication. We mm -hmm. say what we mean, mean mm -hmm. what we say. Mm -hmm. I wish I'd known that in my twenties, yeah. you know, yeah, for sure. it's yes. taken a while to learn it. Yeah. yeah. And it, you know, the fact that their marriage for so long was difficult mm -hmm. and that it wasn't easy. And you know, it's, it's so easy to get involved with just life, right? No matter where you are, whether you're moving around the country every year, which would be right. enough to wear me out or, you know, just wherever you are. It's so easy to put the Lord on the back burner to just live life. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that she said that really stood out to me in the story is when she's when God was talking to her and he said, you have to let me break you down in order to rebuild. Mm -hmm. And their first step was just mm -hmm. walking into church again mm -hmm. to be surrounded by community. Mm -hmm. We're so, gosh, if ever we're lonely and isolated, we already were before, That's but right. especially now. Mm -hmm. And it, just the importance of being around people and being around and, other believers. Yes. Yeah. And just being encouraged mm -hmm. and to know that you're not alone. You're not alone in a marriage mm -hmm. that's struggling. You're not alone in parenting a bunch of kids or, you know, whatever mm -hmm. your situation is. Well, and she sought older counsel. You know, mm -hmm. she was like, okay, oh, y'all been yeah. married 25 years. Right. Tell me how you did it. You know, we forget that that's an important step. Yeah. And then also, 
if you're at that phase, which she was saying, you know, they're about to be, mm-hmm. reach down and, and kind of minister yeah. to people yes. that are younger than you. I, I, I need to do more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when she was talking about the pandemic and she just said, you know, we just say, how can we honor God today? I was like, <laughs> boom. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like yeah. that. That's what all of us need mm-hmm. to be doing. Yeah. How can we honor God today in how we're living? Mm-hmm. Whether it's through at work or within your families, mm-hmm. you know, it's some, just going about your day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, it kind of goes back, goes back to just forgetting, living your life and just going and forgetting that he's right there. And he's got amazing things all along the way if you keep right. your eyes That's open. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's what I, I read something recently that, that spoke about that we have so many Bernie Bushes, mm-hmm. you know, in our past that we just walk right by because oh, wow. we don't think he's there. Yeah. So you true. know, but oh, he is so there. Yeah. So. We got a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully you'll did too. And thank you for listening today. And you can find us online at storytellerslab.org where you can also purchase Discover Your Story. You can find us on social media at Storytellers Live Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And please hop on there and tell us hello. We'd love to hear what you think of our stories. If you want to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review, we read all of them. And it's so encouraging to hear how God uses these stories in your lives. So keep them coming. Keep the feedback coming. We love it. And have a great week. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye.